All right, so uh, this is Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, lucky enough to be in Birmingham, Alabama with Trey Oates. We had an yeah. awesome year. Yeah. Uh, thanks for, for having me, Trey. Um, we actually, I guess we can just start off with what we're talking about right now. Um, you mentioned <laughs> old Sanford grad uh, commented on one of your vaults this year. What, what, yeah, so, uh, so he graduated a long time ago. Don't know really when. Super cool guy because he comes on a lot of my, a lot of my stuff, but – Everything he always says, he's always like, "Great job, dude! Good to see you jumping high." Blah blah blah, and then he gives some sort of tech, like technique critique kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. like, obviously, like I watch my videos probably more than anybody does, so I know what I need to be, what needs to be done. Like for instance, I have like the worst left arm in history. Um, this guy, <laughs> this guy's always like, "Yeah, man, still try to keep that left arm out of there." You know, it's getting hitting you in the face, and I'm like, "Yeah, dude." I know, but it's so weird that like something like that, it doesn't really get under my skin, but it really like affects me when really I should be like, you know, the Richard Sherman's of the world that like, don't care if people like whatever people say to you, it well, just kind of like bounces off. Right. Me. Right. Like, cause you were just commenting on, uh, I had Joe Oliveri on the podcast who a lot of people know him as maybe Joe bro. I think it's like 391 or something. Yeah. I asked him, I thought that was his PR in meters, but he said, that's not why <laughs> it's 391. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I feel like one, like you got to just not worry about what other people have to say. I mean, I always think if we're, we're going to become more popular, there's going to be more people that have something to say about your yeah. jumping. Um, the other thing is, like, sometimes maybe it's good advice. Who yeah. knows? You yeah. know what I mean? Like you just said, like, your, your bottom arm, you're always worried about it anyway. So yeah. it's something that you got to think about and work on. And and maybe it helps push you to work on it. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's uh, – I posted a picture – or I didn't post a picture. I was tagged in a picture of, like – like you know where you can you can screenshot your video and it looks really good at plant. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then yeah. Two frames later, it's bad. Yeah, that's me, right? <laughs> I'm the two frames later guy. And so there's this picture that somebody took. It was like a real nice professional picture, but they tagged me in it at some meet. And then one of like the pole vault gurus on Facebook, you know, like right, those older yeah, guys yeah, who always comment yeah, yeah. stuff, post it, and he goes, "Wow, real bad left arm." And I was just like, it was just some random. You know, guy on Facebook, but yeah, I was yeah. just like, oh, like it just drove me crazy. Yeah. Um, and you know what? You know what's funny? Uh, there, there was one of those guys. Um, oh my goodness, who has that one page? Um, Charlie? No, Bubba. David Butler. David Butler. Yeah. So David Butler, it was funny. He posted something, and I asked like a question, and he's like, "Looks like you've got lots of practicing to do." Ugh. And then he private messaged me on Facebook. And I'm like, David, why are we not having this conversation yeah. on public forums so people right. can learn from it? Because in my mind, it's like I think the more technical talks we can have, the more things we can discuss online and through social media, the better. I mean, we were talking earlier. Um, you took me to a great barbecue spot. That was awesome. Um, had some authentic Southern oh, yeah. barbecue. Um, but we were talking about it, and I feel like on social media, publishers need to do more. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. great to take a picture next to a performance board or have that still frame of your PR day, but – how about putting content out there? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I mean, we talked about this earlier too, but you know, you know, when I'm finally able to earn money in pole vaulting or really just able to travel the world and everything, like I just want to share my experiences with people. Like even if it's like I go to some meet in Taiwan or whatever, and I jump and I get first place, second place, whatever, and I win a thousand dollars. Like it's just cool. I think it would be cool just to show kids that. And be like, here, here's this giant check I won, or here's, you know, this uh, this place I went to because I'm a professional athlete, and this is where right. pole vaulting took me. 
Like right. I was able to do all these things because I'm a pole vaulter. It seems like a lot of times now, uh, like the pole vault realm on social media is just like, you know, me relaxing, me work, like, you know, cute picture, but whatever. It's like, you know, put stuff out that's going to like educate people. I think Sam's, um, uh, stuff that he put on YouTube, like with the, right, right. Kind of, with his challenge. Yeah. And then he stopped doing it. And I was like, Oh, come on, dude. Right. And so I, I know I mentioned to you earlier, uh, I think it's, it's Jake, uh, Winder. Yeah. Uh, uh Winder Jake. up athletics mm-hmm. on Instagram. They're doing a great job. They're putting out exercises, workouts, you know, s- some, some information that can help people grow in the sport. I think that's stuff that needs to be put out more. And I think a lot of times it stems back to what we started this podcast with. Sometimes we're afraid to get that criticism. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what stops people from posting content. But the thing is, like, look, I've posted stuff where people have put some, like, negative comments on Instagram. But my thing is I'd rather put that information out there. Mm -hmm. It might help somebody. And I don't care about the couple people that maybe don't think it's the perfect thing. Yeah. You you know what I mean? I think the biggest problem in pole vaulting and it's not, it's not a problem at all. It's that pole vaulting is such a positive and like uplifting sport with your competitors. Like I look at like even long jump, something yeah. that's super similar to pole vaulting. They're not friends. Like long jump right. competitors are not friends. Like the guy on our team, Marquise, he hates everyone he competes against. Me on the other hand, like even our biggest rivals, Western Carolina, like I say that I hate those guys. Like, but really right, right. we go and pole vault together and they're awesome. Like they're great guys. We hang out, we talk, like whatever. But then I think what people are afraid of is if they post something on social media that is, or, you know, whatever, negative, whatever you want to think, then people are going to think you're this Jariah that's just like, I'm the meanest guy ever, you know? Yeah. And when I, everyone wants to be like so huggy, like well, touchy. Yeah. So you're touching upon another point. It's like, we need to be competitive. Look, yes. we're, all try- we're all trying to win, you know? I mean, that was something that even I discussed after world championships, that men's pit, you know, I think everybody saw it as such a great thing that they're clapping for each other and this and that. But I'm going to paint the picture for you, Trey. You're going to graduate this year. You know, your PR right now is 565. Five. Okay. Uh, so 565, you know, you graduate, you're busting your butt, you're working hard. You go to USA's, you're competing against those guys. Yeah. Like, you're not – I I hate to put it this way, but you really shouldn't care how well somebody does that day besides yourself. You know, you're trying to make the team, you know? So I, I think that that's important. Competition is important. The, the other thing too is I feel like we're all so worried about somebody having a poor opinion of us or not. Like, let's say I post a drill and I'm so worried about people being like, that's not a good drill. You yeah. shouldn't ever do that. And it's like, well, the way you wash that out is just keep posting. Yeah. <laughs> keep exactly. posting your content and telling people how you're getting things done, you know? Yeah. I had a, uh, video I posted on Instagram a while back that was like maybe 10 jumps in my practice that I kind of strung together. And I was like, listen, these are really crappy jumps for me. Like they are bad, but like in the, you know, whatever caption, I was like, it doesn't matter if you have a bad day, blah, blah, blah. So there was like kind of like a lesson in there. I think that more pole vaulters should put stuff out like that. Cause like you look at these guys on Instagram, girls on Instagram, they're only putting these like amazing things. Like this was my like best day of practice it's like put the crappy days you know yeah that's what's yeah. gonna get the kids through it because you know speaking from a little bit of personal experience i don't really have much personal experience with running through and just having like really really off days and weeks and right months. right right but I'm, i know people who do and i know there's tons that do and when you're a pro and or whatever post collegiate and you put stuff out like that sorry my cat keeps on getting up on it, the table it's all right um, no uh you put stuff out like that that's going to give kids an idea that you are just another human like you you do exactly what they do. Like, 
Like I put one where I like ran through three times and I was like, here's a video of me running through three yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, put stuff out like that. It doesn't all have to be this like, um, I, I say Barbie doll, not in like a girly sense, but just like a perfect, like, this is my perfect life sense, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, putting stuff out like that, I think it's just going to just help all together. It, no, definitely. Because it, sh- it shows everyone that you're human. Yeah. You know, you, you can make mistakes. Like I'm, I don't know from personal experience, but I'm sure Sam Kendricks has had a bad practice. Like yeah, at some absolutely. point in his yeah. life, you know, he's jumped long enough, yeah. you know? So it's like, that's good information out there for that kid that is struggling to know that, oh, okay, everybody goes through this. I'll, I'll get through this as well. You know, everyone's had a bad day and figured it out. Um, yeah. And, and the other thing too, that I, I think is interesting, you know, and I may have touched upon this topic in, in prior podcasts, but you know, pole vaulting is so skill influenced and requires athleticism that I think a lot of times too, we think when we see someone jump high, that the skill level is high. And that's not always the case. I I mean, it it was funny. Like I think Piotr Lisek, I thought he looked awesome at worlds and off the ground. I thought he looked amazing, but my goodness, that run, like he was kicking out like crazy. Mm -hmm. He had, he had a wide gate too. Like, you know, it was just so, so crazy. And it's like, you know, we have so many skills to master as pole vaulters. Yeah. It's like we have to have the skill of a sprinter. We have to have the skill of a long jumper off the, jumping off the ground. And then we have to be gymnasts in the air. And it's like it's possible to be a world champion or to be a very high, high vaulter and be lacking skills. Like I almost think of it in martial arts like there's a belt system, you know. Yeah. You can be a black belt and not athletic enough to be a world champ. Or you could be that like brown belt or blue belt but athletic enough to yeah. be a world champ, you know? Exactly. And so just because you're jumping high doesn't mean it's perfect. So I, I think that those are things that we, we should show. Like you said, it'd be awesome if someone like, let, let's say Sandy posted a video and be like, man, I really hate this part of my jump. I'm really working hard to fix this. Yeah, It would be like, what? People would take a step back and be like, oh my God, wait, she's not perfect? She's just working on something? Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I think that's the way we all need to view it anyway. Sean Francis, uh, you know Sean Francis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets, he, he's done two videos now where he's critiqued Sam's jump. Right. And he was just like, I don't know what to critique. Like, obviously he critiqued something. But like, yeah, you're right. It would be so cool if Sam put something out. Because obviously Sam goes into practice and has an idea. Sam and Sandy, right? Yeah. Has an idea of, I'm going to work on this today. Or I'm going to get better at this. It would be so cool to know what that is. Right. right, because I think just a lot of people think, oh, Sam Kendricks, he jumps, you know, five ninety five, six meters. Uh, he's just a robot. Like I can't, I can't accomplish that. But if you knew that Sam was going to practice and working on his left arm or working on his drive knee or whatever it was, right, then you're like, I could potentially get there. Like he's right. worked, he's worked that hard to get there too. But you're like, if I just work that hard, I can be the next Sam. You know, right? Yeah, I. I I definitely. I think it would be amazing and, and it would help people understand that it is a pr- continual process. Yeah. You know, because I think that another thing is a lot of people think that these people have been jumping high forever. And we yeah. were just talking about earlier about like some of the progress some of these people have made. Mm-hmm. And it'd be nice to know their progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that being said, um, talk a little bit more about yourself. So, Trey Oates, you're at Samford, 565 Walter. You went to USA's this year. Um, you had a pretty successful summer. I mean, you won Clovis, right? Yeah, I won Clovis. Um, but tell us, like, high school. What did you jump in high school? How did you end up at Samford? Um, you know, talk yeah. a little bit about that. Okay, so it's, it's I love telling this because every time, like, you know, an adult asks me what I do, I'm like, yeah, I pole vault. They're like, oh, cool. How would you get into that? And then I just go into the story that I've told, like, a million times. But it's a cool story. Uh, my friend Dylan, like, my best friend to this day, we were both in track freshman year, and I was running hurdles, 
and he was like running the hundred, right? They're both just these slow white kids. Like we're just so <laughs> bad, dude. Like like my dad ran hurdles like yeah, pretty yeah. well in college and you know, he would come out to practice and be like, three step, three step. And I yeah, didn't yeah. know what that meant. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I was just falling over the place. I hated hurdles and I hated running in general. And Dylan was like, hey man, come over to pole vault. All we do is lay on the pit all day. And I was like, that sounds <laughs> that sounds way better than running. I think so, this is like 90% yeah. of pole vaulters so, uh, start. <laughs> yeah, well, it was pretty. And then so we, we go over there and then that's when everyone went over there, right? Everyone found out that you just lay over there. And Coach Moffitt, who was my coach in high school, it was the first year of pole vault at my high school. So Coach Bob had all these kids come over and pull and try to pole vault and goes, All right, everyone, listen. If you can't jump seven feet right now as a male pole vaulter, you cannot pole vault this year. And so I was like, Oh, pressure's on. <laughs> and so so like, you know, three or four of us cleared it. And so that's how I kept on going. And then, you know, Dylan fell off because he just I mean, Dylan just wasn't a good pole vaulter. And so I kept on doing it. Um, and you know, I went through high school. I think my freshman year I ended up jumping ten feet. My sophomore year, I jumped twelve six, right? Okay. And then my and then my junior year is when I jumped fifteen six. Okay, and that's when I mean I was a I was pretty tall in high school. I was probably like five ten, five eleven as a freshman. So right, 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 pretty big, right. but I was kind of skinny. And mm-hmm. then sophomore junior year, I kind of got a little taller, maybe like six feet. And then I like filled out. I was like one sixty ish, okay, one sixty five. And so that's when I finally learned how to start getting upside down. And I wasn't stuck in that typical like bucket position that you see right. a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. So I finally started getting upside down. You're not just jumping your bottom arm. You can exactly. actually get over your top hand. Yeah. Well, in high school, you think now that my bottom arm's that it was way worse in high school. <laughs> like I think so kind of going on a little tangent here. I think there are two ways that you can pull bolt. You can pull it like me with no bottom arm and this big swing and inversion, mm-hmm. or you can pull it like Gavin who you met earlier is okay. a Stanford pole vaulter who runs and just boom, big left arm. I think they teach that in Louisiana, like just like right, crush yeah, it. You yeah, know yeah. Morgan Lala? Well, yeah, yeah, cousin. Gavin, yeah, he yeah, was so, mentioning that. Boom. And I remember Morgan, she would just right. run and try to hit the biggest pole she <laughs> yeah. could. And so in, in high school, I was that guy that was just like, you know, dabbing on the pole. My coach called it fiber face because yeah, I would yeah, almost yeah. literally kiss the pole. I, th- I think that's funny you saying dabbing on the pole. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so ended up jumping 15-6 junior year and that's when the 2012 olympics were i saw that i remember i was at work working in a concession stand while i was watching the 2012 olympics on my phone mm-hmm. and you know lavillany jumped 96 or whatever after that cool pass yeah, yeah, did. yeah, yeah. i was just like yeah like i was going crazy um so that's when i decided i was like man i want to you know i want to go to the olympics one day and so then senior year ended up jumping about five meters awesome. um in like during my school year i ended up jumping 16.8 in the summer um, okay but Coach Tiffin at Sanford was the first to kind of contact me, like, like, and recruit me really hard. All mm-hmm. the all the colleges that I went to and visited, they didn't recruit me like Coach Tiffin did. Like, he would call me every week. He'd be like, "Hey, how you doing?" I'd be at the concession stand working, and I'd be like, "I can't talk right now." Wait, and he was like, "I'll call you back." Were there any schools that you looked at or were interested in, which were basically still kind of just like, "Oh, you could walk on," or like kind of like, do yeah. you know what I mean? So, so being as being a pole vaulter, being a single event athlete, I've told every recruit that I've hosted this, I was like, "Listen, you're a pole vaulter. That's all you are." Like, not saying that's a bad thing, but it's like you're worth ten points at a conference meet. Right. right? I'm worth ten points at a conference meet. So even if I jump eighteen six in the conference meet big whoop to my coach i'm worth 10 points so right. you know i looked at florida i looked at uh mississippi state i looked at georgia i looked at um 
And then the others were Sanford, KSU, Kennesaw State, and Oral Roberts, where Jack Went went. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so KSU, I, I was in Georgia, so I had a Hope Scholarship, paid, would, paid for my whole school. Mm-hmm. Sanford offered me about a half scholarship when I came. But those big schools like Mississippi State and Florida, I mean, they offered me, like, books. You know? Right. Because to them, I'm, you know, I'm a good jumper. I was a five-meter jumper. You know, that may be, like, first bar at SECs, right? Right. I'd yeah. get better. But, like, um, you know, they were going to offer me books, so – Sanford is a D1 school, although it's a very small D1 school that not a lot of people know about. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I when, when I was you, in, you guys have a good tradition of pole vaulting, oh, yeah, too, over the yeah. years. I mean, I remember before you, I feel like the, the big guy before you was Michael Seaman. Yeah, Michael Seaman. He was Seaman. pretty good. That's know? one of the reasons I came in, because I, I watched all his videos on YouTube. And then Coach Tiffin called me, and I go, wait, Sanford, Michael Seaman. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, So, yeah. that was part of the reason why I ended up coming here. But I think the really big reason, or not the big reason... I was you know, so senior in high school. Um, I had my signing party, whatever, in the library. Okay, no one came to it. And I, went to, <laughs> I went, and because I was like going to Sanford, everybody would ask me, and I go, "Yeah, I'm going to Sanford," and they're like, "Oh, where's that?" And I had to explain it. And it wasn't like I was saying, "Yeah, I'm going to UGA on a pole vault scholarship," because I could have gone to UGA on a pole vault scholarship for like a hundred bucks a semester, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. or I could have gone to Sanford for you know. $10,000 a semester for a half ride and, you know, actually done something. So that was kind of like in high school, it was, it was, it was like, it left a bad taste in my mouth when I told people that I was going to a smaller school. But now that I'm here, I don't care about those people in high school it's, anymore. It's <laughs> it's know? so funny that you bring that up because I was telling you like the climate in the Northeast, we yeah. have so many of these small D1s and they give money out to like, let's say 11 foot girls, 14 foot guys. And all these kids just want to say, hey, I'm on a big scholarship going to this D1 school, but it's sometimes not the right situation. Like you yeah. chose the smaller school that, oh, yeah. smaller you know, school. was interested in you. Yeah. Like you're, like you said, the coach was calling you all the time. Like he, he wanted you on the team. Some of these other schools, it's not that they didn't want you on the team, but they definitely were like, ah, it's an afterthought. Yeah. So you know what I mean? I So what would really, really help me and I would tell every single kid who's going into college to do it is get a financial advisor like preferably one that will sit down and talk to you. I had a really good one in Georgia. Um, but basically what he did was he, when I narrowed it down to three schools, KSU, Oral Roberts, and Sanford, he took all three schools and we we uh, he compiled a list of like pros and cons, essentially like coach is good, coach is bad, you know, whatever, like school, um, not, nightlife, like not nightlife, but stuff like that, right? Uh, <laughs> What's, based, what do you mean nightlife, uh, Trey? I don't know what you're yeah, talking like, about. <laughs> Reading, reading my Bible. <laughs> um, but so he put all that stuff together and then he laid them down in front of me without the names of the colleges in front of him. And he goes, which one is your favorite? And I was like, uh, yeah, probably awesome. this one. And he goes, okay, well that's Sanford. And I go, oh really? Because I was kind of leaning towards KSU because just a big school and you know, you know, whatever. It's KSU. Yeah, yeah. People knew about KSU and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And if I'm sure if you would have done that to me with like, Florida or any of the bigger schools where it was like amount of money received five hundred dollars. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, coach amount of time that coach will you know give to you not that much, right? Right. I would have been like, heck no, I'm not going there. So you need yeah. to like sit down and you need to take away the name from the school. You need to take away the prestige from the school, and you just have to look at like the facts, what you're and, getting out of exactly. it, exactly, and yeah, like the facts and the money that you're getting and whatever else. And then you and make your decision on that because impressing people with what school you go to is like one of the lamest things you can do. Well, and, and like you said earlier too, 
it only mattered while you were in high school. Oh, now, yeah. this many years later, you're so much happier with your choice and you don't care what people think. Yeah. And probably yeah. half the people that went to the impressive schools transferred out. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, know? I know. Yeah. I mean, in high school, I was like, man, I want to go to the Olympics because like my senior year, instead of most athletics superlative, it was most likely to go to the Olympics. So I won oh, that. Okay. And that was cool, right? So I was like, oh, I got to prove to all my peers that I'm going to make it to the Olympics. Yeah. And then I went to Sanford. And it seemed like no one really heard of me. No one heard much from me because I was going yeah, to a small yeah. school. And then, boom, I was like right there at the Olympic trials. Yeah, and so it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I went to Florida or anything or, or a bigger school, right? It's just you're going to do the work at the smaller schools or whatever it is, the, the schools that don't have the bigger prestige. You're going to do the work there, and you're going to do just as well or better. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Just like. You know, spending the day, I mean, this is only first day, I've, I've never met you before today, yeah. um, but spending the day with you and hearing you talk right now during the podcast, I mean, one of the things that I, I've started to talk a lot about with, with athletes and, and kids is, you know, you have to have that passion, you have to have that drive. Like, everything that you've said to me so far today, I'm like, wow, this, this is a passionate guy. I mean, you were helping out some high school kids when I first got here, you've been talking about the Olympics since the first <laughs> moment. And even the choice to come to Sanford, which out of the schools that you mentioned, I think it was probably the best choice you could have made, even the outsider looking in. And you have this drive, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think if you look at, you know, a lot of other pole vaulters, let's say even some good high school phenoms over the years that never really panned out, they probably didn't have that drive. No. And I think that that's an important message kids need to hear too. You could probably jump as high as you want. I mean, obviously, there's certain people that are just never going to make the Olympics, right? Like, if you're five foot tall, 100 pounds, yeah. chances are slim. Yeah. But you could probably jump almost as high as you want if you have that drive and, and passion. You know what I mean? Because yeah. how many guys probably are your stature who jumped decent but never made it to USAs? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yep. So, I mean, it definitely takes the extra level. I mean, even earlier when we were having dinner at the barbecue place uh, – you know, besides telling me to try the the, the white barbecue sauce, which is very different oh, and delicious, guys. It is um, so good. <laughs> you, you were mentioning everything that you studied about nutrition and you are a nutrition major. Yeah. But then even we were having a long, complicated discussion about training, which we're going to do a second podcast on the last day. And maybe we'll get into more of that then. But it's like you're really delving into the sport. You're really trying to become a student and learn. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So, like, you know, we talked about Sean Francis again. I... You know, I like his videos. I think they're entertaining. They're a little cheesy to me. But the reason, <laughs> honestly, I love them because the reason why I watch them is I, I, I watch them for when he coaches the kids at the end. Mm -hmm. and, he's, and he's saying, put your arm at 1 o'clock. Like, I've started using that cue, and it's worked for some of my kids. So, like, right. what, what I'm doing right now is, like, a coach slash athlete is I'm trying to amass every single bit of information I can have. And then I'm going to cycle it out and I'm going to make my own thing. Because what's really easy for me to do right now is be like, oh, this is what this guy does. I'm going to do exactly like that. But for me, it's like I want guys like you and I want to meet guys like Sean Francis. I want to like talk to these guys and say, what do you do when you have a kid that does this? Or what like, like what is all this stuff right, you do? Right. And then I'm not going to do exactly what you do and I'm not right. going to do exactly what he does. But I'm going to take all your information and I'm going to be like, you know what? This is going to be the best thing for me. And then I'm going to have a kid that I'm coaching. I'll be like, hey, kid, this is going to be the best thing for you. Well, you know, look, I think you bring up amazing points because I think also another problem in the pole vault world is we get very clicky. Yes. So it's like, yep. let's say somebody's like, well, I'm an Earl Bell guy. I only do Earl Bell stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm a David Butler guy. I only do David Butler stuff. And he's really big Petrov Bupka. And I'm a Roman Bacharnikov guy. So I only do that. And this, look, 
I think there's something to learn from each of those, like, let's say, schools of thought, or like, let's say you really uh, love the French vaulting. You know what I mean? Like, there's something you can take from each school. And the thing is, you have to individualize it for your particular circumstances. Like, I was telling you earlier, like, I would say 80% of my club, I really have a strict two-hour window to get training in, meaning they've got to come in, warm up, do their vault session, and then get a strength and conditioning session in within a two-hour window. So I have that huge limitation, and I have to make really, really difficult choices as to what I'm going to do. Maybe power cleans are a great idea, mm-hmm. but maybe not for my two-hour session. Yeah. Maybe something else might work better. You know, So it's like these are all choices that we have to make, but I think the more exposure we can get of what everyone is doing – the more you can take from everyone. Because oh, yeah. like you said, maybe that coaching cue of like get your arms at one o'clock, may, that might be an awesome coaching cue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you have to do everything Sean does, but that particular thing might be super, super useful. You know? Yeah, it has been. Um, you know, I do, the, I do the same thing in pole vault. I do the same thing in nutrition. I think what a lot of people don't like, to, and I, I, I in the same way, and I will admit it, if I have a view of something, like so let's say my view my view was that I do Olympic lifts. Like I snatch, I power clean, I do all that stuff. Yeah. I think what a lot of people want to do is like someone like you, you don't do a lot of Olympic lifts. Right. I would just be like, I don't want to listen to what you have to say. Right. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't agree with that. Like same thing with nutrition. So like, so just recently coconut oil has been targeted as being bad. Everyone has been for coconut oil. And I mean, I was for coconut oil, whatever. Yeah. My initial thought to that article of coconut oil is evil. is like, I don't want to read this. Like, this yeah, isn't yeah, what yeah. I believe in, but right, whatever, right, right, right. you know, so, but then I forced myself to read it, right? I got what I took from it and I still hold my same belief, right? right. That coconut oil is good. So same with you. So I, I Olympic lift and I heard what you had to say and it all made sense to me and I'm still going to Olympic lift, yeah, but, I might, yeah. I might, but I might take some of that. So what I think a lot of people, especially like pole vaulters that get into clicks is, okay, let's take the Petrov model. For example, they're going to do the Petrov model. And then they're going to say something that Lavillany does. Like, for instance, Lavillany doesn't bench press. Like, he doesn't right. bench press at all. Right. And so they would be like, oh, I'm not going to I'm not gonna do anything Lavillany does because it doesn't agree with my, my model or whatever. I just think that's kind of dumb. You just have to right. find your strengths, right? My strengths are I'm a tall guy who's really fast and, yeah. and can jump up from 14.6 and take off, right? So those are my strengths. I'm going to do everything I can to make those better. My strengths aren't, you know, you know, whatever else. It's it's that, and I'm whatever it takes to make those things better. I'm going to do. Yeah, no, and I I mean, I I guess to kind of explain what what you're trying to say, like just because you're a Petrov guy doesn't mean that Renault doesn't do something that could add value to your ball. Exactly. Whether it's technical, whether it's his warm up, whether it's his strength and conditioning, heck, even maybe just the fact that he has fun. You know what I mean? That, that's the one thing I always used to talk about uh, Renault. I remember sitting down Chris Chappell of UCS, yeah. and me and Chris were talking about it, and I was like, look, I feel like really, really good athletes tend to fall into two groups. You know, obviously there's more, but extremely let's look at... serious or... Yeah, you, you're either extremely serious to the point where you're like that person that's like, look, if I don't PR today, I'm a huge piece of shit. So I have to train really, really <laughs> yeah. hard so I could PR, right? There's a, those negative talk people. Mm-hmm. And then there's people like Renault who I'm like, this guy just loves what he does. I mean, it was you snowing, look, and he yeah. ran in his backyard and pole vaulted well, in the snow a little bit. Like, yeah. he loves it. He's if a you, kid. If you looked at his third attempt, I think Sandy was saying this in the in Worlds. She mm-hmm. was like, Renault just feeds off of emotion. And she was so right about that. His third attempt, you saw him just back there. And obviously, he put a lot of pressure on himself. Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. does. But he was just having fun. And, 
and like if he missed it, you know, he missed it. But and he, you know, he's cried sometimes, but that, well, he, but it's the pressure that he puts on himself. But he has so much fun when he does well. well you know, you know crazy. what was funny? Uh, I thought this World Championships that is the best competition I've ever seen from Renault. Because I think he fell behind. He was able to fight his way back up into the medal position. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen him do that before. Because in prior... Well, okay. But he yeah. was he was still having a good meet. And yeah, he had, he was, you he know what I mean? He, he came back and took it from the Germans. Yeah. But I feel like every other year, like when he was supposed to win... Because even that, that Olympic year, it was like up in the air whether or not he was going to yeah. win. You yeah. know? Um, going into it. But like when he was supposed to win the world championships and he lost those oh, other couple of years, it's like you, you saw him kind of like lose it in the meet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas this one, he was able to fight and maybe he needed what happened to him last year at the Olympics and kind of get snake bitten yeah. by, by De Silva to kind of like teach him how to compete a little bit because it's, it's hard. I think most of the year, like we were talking about it before, track athletes a lot of times are just going to meets trying to get a mark. They're not really competing. And so now this one time a year... It's an ultra competition, and sometimes we're not ready for that. Yeah, so like I think everyone kind of notices the difference between the state, or, you know, whatever state meet, conference championship, NCAA's, whatever, and practice. It's just like yeah. the adrenaline, the focus, like the mental clarity of that competition, the NCAA's, whatever, compared to practice. Uh, it's just to- two total different worlds. Right. And if you're going to meets that are somewhere in the middle, where it's not that championship, right? You know, whatever, and it's not quite practice, but it's like, oh yeah, I'm just going out there to try to, you know, get five sixty or whatever to go to USA's or, or get this mark or whatever. It's it's not that's not doing you any good. That's just right. that's just a slightly better practice. Right. And, and you and and if you're in the middle of your season and it's like you know what is it like May June mm-hmm. and you're going to those types of meets, like you're just wasting your time. You need to go somewhere. Even if it's not the best facility, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a slight headwind and, you know, people complain about the box or whatever, yeah, uh, you know, just go there and beat someone and try your best to compete there. Because then when you go to those big time state championships, right. NCAAs, of course, it's going to be perfect conditions. Of course, it's going to be, you know, uh, adrenaline going, uh, right, right, right. mental clarity is on point. Like, and so then you already have this experience of beating up on people, essentially, you know, yeah. beating them at meets. Um, and then you take that there. So that's something I'm going to try this year. Um, you know, it, it's kind of hard in, in college cause it's not like you're going to tell your coach, Hey man, I'm going to, uh, you know, whatever, <laughs> this me or that but, me. but I think what I did a lot this year and, and I kind of talked about this on like a Instagram post way back, but I, I thought of myself as the fourth place finisher. I was like, man, I'm, I'm right there. I'm like this. I could have been an Olympic guy. Like yeah. that's what I always thought of. And I was I was chasing the mark of 565, 570. I was like, I got a PR. I got to chase yeah. this mark. But I went to the Texas Relays, for instance. Perfect example. Perfect conditions. Uh, my mental clarity. I was so zoned in. And then I thought that I was this just hot shot vaulter. And I know I did <laughs> because right. I wasn't because I was focused because I thought I was going to go there and jump 590 or something. Right, 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 right. You know, but I wasn't focused on. Uh, Devin King and all these guys who I like always try to beat. I wasn't focused on them and I was focused on myself and I was focused on, um, well, and you trying to jump a bar. And you know like, what happens? You get ahead of yourself in those moments yes. and you start doing mental math. 
Yep. So you have a first attempt miss at opening, and you're like, shit, now, yeah. now I'm going to be tired for that 590 exactly. bar. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And, and, and you're already thinking about to. that, and it's like, dude, you got to clear this bar first. Yes, exactly. Like, forget about, like, whatever happens at the end will happen at the end, but you can't get there unless yeah. you clear that first bar. You know what? That's what Coach T told me. He's like, just try to beat everyone else and then do what you want to do. Right. You know, that you got to go into every meet not thinking, like, I'm going to j- – so, like, for instance, I, I talk about Devin a lot. It's like him and I are pretty fierce competitors, right? We go back and forth. Right. And if I go to a meet with Devin, like this indoor season, we'll go to a meet where really it'll just be me and him. And if I go there thinking, oh, I'm going to jump 580 at this meet, not even thinking about him, I'm not going to beat him because right. I'm not focused on him. So it's like if I just go and I do what Devin does and I do it and boom, and then it turns out I've jumped higher than him, now it's time to think about myself, right? right. And that's – and you know that, and- that goes back to – talking shit about other people i don't talk shit about them, <laughs> but but it's like we need to it's like i need to be like i'm gonna beat you man yeah you know, you know what well I mean? you have to be competitive with yeah. him you know and and that doesn't mean you don't have respect for one another no, it absolutely. doesn't mean after the meet you can't shake hands yeah. and, and say good job but in the moment yeah you got to be fierce competitors absolutely. you know um like the the other thing that that comes to mind like you mentioned state meets and and ncaa's it, really at the high school level and collegiate level in america I think we have a great system because we have these qualifying rounds and these meets that you have to go to and you have to compete at to make it to the next level. Except for regionals. I hate regionals. Because wow. <laughs> I didn't do well at regionals. That's That's yeah. I, I always tell people when, when someone tells me they don't like a certain meet, I'm like, what, did you have a bad meet last year? Yes. <laughs> I hate but, Kentucky. No, but, but, um, but yeah, it's like it, that's great. And I think it, it, that's what helps people PR and really push their marks. Whereas when you think post-collegiately, and we were talking about this earlier, it's like you really just are trying to qualify for USAs. And then you have USAs and whatever meet is that year if there's a world or Olympic meet. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And people don't compete enough. And it would, it would be so awesome if there was like a regional, semifinal, national meet where everybody has to kind of qualify for it. I think it would also make the sport way more exciting. Oh, absolutely. We talked about yeah, we talked about it and how like for instance if there was a southeast regional qualifier for the USA championships and then there was like a northeast one and a west one, whatever. Right, right. But right. the southeast one, let's say, was held at Sanford University, right? We I mean we don't have that much seating, but we could do it. Yeah. Right. And people like Christian Coleman came and I guess who and else? They, they who would else? have to, right? Because yeah, they, they would have, have to, to qualify. You, you, have, you can't just go to USA's. You're, you right. don't have this automatic qualifier. You've got to go to this, like, air quotes, rinky-dink meet. But really, it's this regional championship. So now you have people like Christian Coleman. you got all these other sprinters. you got all these great jumpers. And you got a handful of, like, post-collegiate guys that aren't quite there yet. You know, the guys but who run that want to train yeah, and the want to The 10 fours of the world and that kind of stuff. Um, they're going to go to this meet with Christian Coleman, and Christian Coleman's going to beat them. Right. And yeah. then you said this earlier, those guys are going to be like, that's going to motivate them to want to beat Christian Coleman more than not meeting the mark that Christian Coleman made to, to make USA's automatically. Right, right. If just not making USA's, right. you don't know how close or far you are. I mean, there's literally going to be people that are like, wow, I was right there. I knew I made a mistake in that race and I could have ran a little bit better. Like, I can't wait to train and go, go forward exactly. for next year. Yeah. I, I think it would be an awesome, awesome thing to kind of have this kind of uh, regional system. Um, I think also, if you think about it in a business end, think about this now. Now you have ticket sales for these regional meets, yeah. semifinal meets, and USA's. Yeah, because you know how much a ticket is for USA's? Like I t- buying my mom a day ticket was $40 yeah. to, a, to a USA championship. Right. And right. that's like $40 times 
I don't know how many people. At least at Olympic trials, I think there were 20,000 people, 30,000. At the right. Olympic trials, right, those right, were $60 right, right. a day. Right. right. But you could charge at least $30 a day for a regional track meet where these people are going to see people like the Christian Coleman's and that kind of stuff. Right, right. I, I definitely think it, it just there's total upside in it. I think the thing that people worry about, though, is like, oh, well, what happens, you know, if Trey no heights at the regional meet and then we don't have him go to USA's? Yeah, that's going to happen every once in a while. But, but it shouldn't happen. Like at yeah, your regional meet, you'll be able to exactly. open at like, you probably like three steps something. Make out, right? <laughs> well, okay, I'll tell you what. True story. Okay, okay, so we went to regionals this year. This was kind of like the whole like rinse, wash, repeat of this entire year. Okay, we started outdoor. Uh, from six lefts because Coach T was like, you know what? I want to see how high you can jump from six lefts. I was like, yeah, I do too. Yeah. And we ended up jumping like 535 from six, which is 17.6. Okay. So that was awesome. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. awesome. I was like, man, I can't wait for the rest of this year. I'm going to go back to the long run. I'm going to kill it. Yeah. So I ended up getting stuck at a short run the whole year because I would short run in practice, right? I would never long run in right, practice. Right, right. And then I'd go to a meet and try to long run on these longer poles and it just wouldn't work. So then that's the same thing. We went to text relays. No heighted, came in at five thirty five from six, just stupid, right? Yeah. Um, and then we went to regionals, and with that same game plan, we were like, uh, "We're going to come in from six, and we're going to jump five fifteen, and then we're going to jump five twenty five, and then we'll probably be in, but then we'll jump five thirty five or whatever for thirty yeah. from six, and you know, no problem because we know you can do it from six. Well, started blowing through poles from six, and then yeah. didn't warm up from eight at all. Went back to eight. Blew through because whatever reason. Yeah, it's too, only, too much yeah. adjustment and then, at that you point. Know, and then I was out. So it was just like, uh, I don't even know what the original point here was, but it was a bad season. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was the important. You're just basically saying that yes. if we had oh, a regional, regional system right. for USA, that's right. You so, would have so, okay, like so that. Okay, so what happen. I was trying to get to was I should have been in a peaking championship mode, right? Because I was going in the NCAAs. Yeah. I should have been t- like toned, like zoned in, right? Yeah. But I wasn't. Runs. Right? So like, I wasn't zoned in. I definitely wasn't. And then you look later in the summer, uh, about two weeks before USA's, I jumped 550 at a meet just okay. kind of by myself. So then I was zoned in, and then I jumped 560 at USA's. So I just wasn't zoned in for the time. So, yeah, those people who are going to know height and do bad at the regional championships, well, they weren't going to do really well at um, you know the national or whatever the next yeah, step yeah, was because yeah. that would have been me. I think if I would have made it to NCAA's, just out of the off the skin of my teeth, out of regionals, I would not have done good at NCAA's. Right? Yeah, you still wouldn't have been prepared. Exactly. You needed more yeah. time. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. You know, uh, it just you know, look. I mean, part of the reason I even do this podcast is like I love the sport so much, yeah. and I definitely think it could be more exciting. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like if stuff like that happened. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I feel like we remember. Oh, uh, but anyway, so you, like I guess going back to like the whole regional thing, we do it in high school, we do it in college. I don't know why we don't do exactly. it professionally, you know, because one, I one think, big meet to rule them all. Yeah, and I think go. also it would provide more uh, more opportunities for people to compete in anyway. Because the thing is, post collegially, and I know you haven't experienced this yet, but post collegially, especially depending on what where you are in America, there's yeah. not a lot of meets to choose from, to meets, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have to know coaches and be like, hey, can I come to your meet and jump unattached and do all this stuff? And most of them are just like, no, because they just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know a lot of the college meets I go to, I rarely jump with post-collegiate guys. The only post-collegiate guy I've jumped with is Sam. And those mm-hmm. are at those kind of rinky-dink indoor 
uh, cross place means. Right, right, uh, right. And that's also because he's sand. They just let him in. But um, yeah, if you're if you're one of those lower tier post collegiate guys, like yeah, yeah. you know what 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 is it for the Texas coach to or, or whoever to let you jump in this meet? It's just not very likely. So yeah, you're right. If we did put on some sort of uh, I don't even know circuit or something like or not circuit. Uh, shoot, what's it called? Like a regional system. Yeah. 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 Something or, or like, like almost like a playoff system as well. Yeah, you know that'd what I mean. Cool. Yeah, it, it, de- it definitely could, it could make it more interesting. Um, but well, we, oh, I was going to say, well, we were actually uh, in the works for next summer trying to make a street vault circuit in Alabama. Okay, so we're going to have one. Or well, this is I'm saying we are. It is in <laughs> motions. Okay, so the Mobile Street Vault is already a pretty big thing, right? Okay. Uh, that's in Mobile, Alabama, South Alabama, like on the Gulf Coast. Um, so we're going to have one there. We might have one uh, with uh, Erica Bartolini. You know okay. Who that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug Braley's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, might have one there. And she she coached Devin, right? Cam? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we might have one at Shane Lala's place. Okay. And then we might have one in Montgomery, Alabama, which is like Middle Alabama, and then one in Birmingham, Alabama. So like okay. we'll have this circuit of cool stuff to do because honestly, uh, most of the coaches I talked to, at least in Alabama this year, we're not doing USATF next year. Uh, right. At least for club, because I, I coach in a club here. Yeah, in yeah. Um, we're not doing USATF next year because it just sucks, man. You go to these, you go mm. to these regional meets and they're run poorly, and your kids aren't jumping well. And and literally, a, a lot a lot of people treat it as as they qualify and then they stop jumping. And so, like, we had to travel so like six hours for you know I'm not going to name names, but people would jump and then they'd be done, and then it was just that's like, so well, weird. Well, like, we what's the point? Jump. Yeah, so. Uh, we, we're not really going to do USATF next year, we think. But um, well, a lot of times I find too, like at the USATF type meets, one the people who are running the vault aren't always knowledgeable. Yeah. You know, well, and, I, I tell you back, the referees in Alabama know what they're doing, but it's it's the people who are in charge of the referees, well, like that, the, like the, some, uh, the so the, one or the other. It's either right, the, right, the right, actual right. official at the pit doesn't know what they're doing, or sometimes meet management really could care less what's happening in the vault. Yeah, you know, and that and that causes a lot of issues where. You, when you go to a street ball or like this summer I held like a Northeast Pole Vault Club championship, mm-hmm. you know, when it's run by pole vault clubs, it's, it's for so pole vault. Yeah, it's, it's so done efficient. as efficiently as possible. Yeah. And it's way more fun too. Absolutely. Like uh, we had we had a DJ at ours and we had somebody announcing the meet, you yeah, know, and there's cool. a couple other meets in the area. Uh, in upstate New York, uh, Rochester Beach Ball yeah. uh, occurs. It just was like this past weekend. They have a DJ. They have an announcer. Jersey Beach Vault, same thing. They have a DJ. They have somebody announcing. You know, it's like it's a real fun meet, and the marks are usually really good. And everybody has a blast. Like that's way better than going to a USATF meet where oh, it's like dude. the day drags. <laughs> oh my you know? gosh! Yeah, because I you got you got multiple age groups, right? You got you know I don't want to say like unqualified officials, but officials that are just kind of like there, they're not even like officials do not get paid that much. Yeah. If, if you don't know this, people who are listening, <laughs> officials right. do not get paid well. So when your coach says like, thank your official, like he's totally serious because it's more of a hobby than it is a job. That's not the yeah. people's job. That's like something that they do out of the goodness of their heart slash it's fun for them. Right. right? So what, what happens a lot is that like, you know, they're not, you know, Bronco or me, who's like putting the bar up for his own kids and like having this fun time. They're just, they're just there. They're doing, yeah. you know, their hobby or their volunteer job, whatever. Um, so yeah, you got these street vaults that are way more fun, way more organized than, yeah, those 
I want to say boring ass US, USATF meets. They're so boring. right, right. And then a lot of times at, at street vaults and such, like you know, you can give out prize money. I know at, yeah. at, at my meet, what I did was I charged the spectators, and I took the spectator money, and we gave it to the open winners. Yeah. So I was able to give the open guy two hundred twenty dollars and the open girl two hundred twenty dollars, and it was this little meet, like it, it wasn't that huge. You yeah. know what I mean? So like that—that's the thing. It's like it's something that's really, really great. Um, and it, and it also allows the sport to grow within the pole vault community. Cause I know even at my meet, like what I talked to a lot of coaches about is like, look, like you can bring your apparel, sell your apparel, you can have brochures yeah. or any clinic information that you have that you want to pass out and promote your club. And that's the thing that's so, so huge. And kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier with social media, people need to do a better job. I think of promoting the sport. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the cooler you can make it, make your club or yourself look on social media, the more information you can put out there, the more that the sport is going to grow and the more opportunities that are going to be out there for people. I mean, I, I how awesome would it be if like there was like a pole club almost like, you know, I would say like every major city and stuff like that and where you could go work there. You know, like yeah. I, I actually with one of my guys, uh, he approached me. Because I'm usually closed on Saturdays because I have meets every Saturday, as, as you could imagine, yes. during indoor and outdoor season. Yeah. And so I traditionally have never done Saturdays. And, you know, plus you need a day off. Right. Uh, so one of my guys approached me. He's like, look, you know, would you, would you let me coach Saturdays? Yeah. So I told the guy, I was like, hey, if you want to do it, sure. And I, you know, and I'm just going to tell people the numbers. I told him, like, look, I'll give you 80-20 split. You take 80%, I'll take 20 that's you know, because awesome. I wanted to make it like something worthwhile for him. And I sat down with him. We did the math. And I said, look, just doing two sessions alone on Saturdays, I think you can make $15,000 this year. Oh, my God. And he's going to come really close to hitting that number in the first year of doing it. That's wild. Yeah. That's you know, wild. and so for me, I feel like that's something that I want to help with the sport is like help it from a business perspective. Because if yeah. that's if that's an option out there, you know what I mean? Like. That's so awesome. That's going to keep people in the sport longer because that's another thing at my club. Like I think sometimes people are, are shocked. Like I tend to have a lot of like collegiate and post-collegiate athletes train with me more than at most clubs. Yeah. Not to say that they're USA guys. I mean I've only had like three individuals that are close shot at USA's like uh, a couple 17-8 guys and, and now um, I had a 13-9 girl a couple of years ago. So they were close but not there. Um, but you know, I always have people that still want to train, still want to jump at meets. Mm -hmm. I think though that now what I'm finding is the negative is there's not enough competitions for them to go to where it's worthwhile. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why it's like if we could have this kind of like circuit and more stuff for, for pole vaulters, that's pole vault only kind of, I think that would help it grow too. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. you had like, a, a, again, a regional system where people could qualify for stuff, it'd make it more exciting, keep people in the sport longer. And then if there's coaching positions like that, you know what I mean? Like, imagine every club could like be like, "Hey, listen, like, if you want to coach Saturdays, you can make fifteen thousand extra dollars this year." <laughs> <A> freaking <laughs> Saturday, <laughs> that's just so wild to me. Yeah, you know, I we talked about this too. Uh, you know, when I when I really decided that I was like, I'm going to be a pole vaulter, I'm going to do this, like, I'm going to try my best and put forth like this is my dream. I'm going to put forth hundred percent effort. I went ahead and just it, I pushed it to the back of my mind about making money. Right, 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 right. You cut it, you know, just being a track athlete in this day and age, you have to accept that you're not going to make that much money. But when you and other coaches are doing stuff like this, it makes it like, it makes me feel more and more excited. Cause like, I'm kind of dreading leaving college and leaving yeah. this like perfect <laughs> nest environment where I've right. fed food and taken care of by a trainer. 
and you know I'm gonna go off and work at Dick's and Dick's Sporting Goods and stuff like that. So like I'm scared of that, but you know people like you doing this and like saying that we hey we need to have street vaults that have money for prize money and we need to have multiple street vaults and we need to do these regional things where you can earn more money than just USA's like that is really reassuring as a a soon to be post collegiate yeah, vaulter yeah 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 um, it's just it's so reassuring well but, yeah I mean because that's the thing I think there has to be opportunities outside of high school and college for athletes and for coaches you know yeah um, and I think even you know, going back to that idea of like how sometimes pole vault can get clicky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like, look, I don't want to go to this guy's event because he coaches this way, or I don't want to go to that guy's event because yeah. his kid beat my kid at states and screw that <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah. You know, it's like that's really, really like small thinking. You yes. know, in my mind. I mean, look, and we were just talking about competition, folks. I do not like losing. Believe me, <laughs> I did not leave New Jersey State meet happy this year. <laughs> but at the same time. I know that if my club's doing well and the other club is doing well and the other club is doing well and we're all hosting these events and we're all having a lot of turnout and it's starting to grow, there's going to be more opportunities for everyone. Yeah, people, you know, people are making money, people are happy, people are jumping high, and then the sport is growing. It's like those four things. It's like that is happening all, right. in, all in that. Right. And, that, and that's what we just need to push for instead of this kind of, I've got my own club, we do it this way. You know, no one. Uh, you know, clubs can be clubs can be fun. That's kind of what I, I I took over BVC this year, and my well, first what's, thing, what's BVC? Uh, Birmingham Just, Ball Club. Okay, uh, so I, I didn't take it over. I work <laughs> I work with I work with Coach Tiffin uh, at Sanford, uh, my head coach. But uh, you know, he lets me work it. It's kind of like a job, right? So um, so I do that, and I I thought, you know what, I'm going to make it really fun this year. Like we're we're just going to have so many little miniature competitions and club yeah. like. I basically I would I'd go out get gear and I'd say okay guys if you jump a six inch PR in practice I will give you a piece of gear like <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. stupid stuff like that right we'd play ultimate frisbee if you lost a point you had to do some sort of strenuous pole vault exercise right, something right, right. like that right so um, what what's happening with these you know I I don't know any club off the top of my head but just in general the clubs aren't having fun it's just like pole vaulting pole vaulting pole yeah. vaulting. Go to this USA TF meet, qualify nationals, don't do well. Oh, I'm sad. It's like, just have fun. Just go out to these street vaults, you know, have the coaches make money, have the athletes make money, the open athletes make money, and then have all the kids see that that's there. Yes. See that that's out there. See that there's more. Because honestly, high school jumping was the best thing ever. It was so much fun, right? NCAA jumping, still super fun. Okay. If you can make, College, uh, sorry, post-collegiate jumping seem even better than both of those, then you're going to make so many kids want to well, do the sport afterwards. And, and, and I think, you know, I think it could definitely be a possibility. Like, you know, we were talking about earlier, like, regardless of your feelings about the sport, like CrossFit does a great job of hey, getting CrossFit. people to come. <laughs> has a great, great way of having people come out for it. And they provide these really fun and exciting events. I mean, I, I hate to say they have beer at their events, but yeah. they have beer, they have refreshments, right. they have food, they have music, it's announced well, it's, you know, it's not, again, I hate to harp on USATF, but it's not USATF where it's like a couple older officials, no music, long day, yep. and then you just go That's home. Thing. You know, it's cross, a fun yeah. event. It's if, a fun event, you know? If CrossFit can get 40,000 people in an arena to watch people do PE class, I think that right. pole vaulting can at least do a little bit better than what we're doing. We're, I, 
we are pole vaulting, right? We're not we're not doing burpees, like you yeah, said. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know that that's the thing when we did the Instagram live um, of the world champs, and we're gonna put the podcast up soon of of kind of like once they get to the five sixty five bar, um, so you can re listen to it. We try to provide like you know a lot of commentary and let people know what's going on because the other problem with pole vault, if you don't understand pole vaulting, it's just somebody going over a bar. Or not going over a bar. Exactly. And the thing is, if the common fan, like, you could probably tell if, like, let's say somebody dropped their pole too early on the carry and it made them back off and they got hit at takeoff. You could probably tell whether someone jumped up or not. You could probably tell if someone's slowing down or accelerating to the box. But the casual fan or maybe the parent or somebody just started pole vaulting, it looks the same. But if if you can commentate it properly, then people will start to pick up on that. I mean, if you know what I'm saying, like if the casual football fan knows what a cover two scheme is, I think we can get people to understand whether somebody planted on time. Yeah, you know. So I think it's definitely it's something that can it can grow, but it it needs to be more exciting. It needs to be more fun. And the thing is, like, we need to show people that it it can be something profitable too, because that's important about a sport too. I remember actually years ago, and for for those of you who are like, oh my god, I can't believe this guy is talking about making money off a track or pole vaulting, but it's important. I remember going to Reno years ago and Rick Baggett was there from Willamette Striders Club mm-hmm. and he coached Tommy Skipper. I don't know if yeah. you ever heard that name, yeah. Tommy Skipper. Tommy. He was an 18 3 guy Oregon, in high school. Oregon. Yeah, he went yeah. to Oregon. I, Tommy Skipper's story. So I heard he would throw like the jab, something stupid, like well over 200 feet, then walk over to pole vault without warming up, clear 18, win, and leave. Must be nice, man. Yeah, like, must be nice to be an stud, athlete. Stud. <laughs> But anyway, so Rick Baggett, coach in high school, has this very successful club, Willamette Striders Club. And I was t- I was talking to him at Reno. And at the time, I was a really young coach. And I was a little bit naive. And, and you know, to me, like, ma- making money sounded kind of bad. You know, it's like, right, oh, I don't just, want to be making money off in it of for my the love kids. Of the sport. <laughs> yeah, I'm in it for the love of the sport. <laughs> and so Rick Baggett goes, look, Bronco, that's all nice. He goes, uh, you know, but you got to run it like a business. I'm like, well, like, but I, you know, I care about my kids. Like, I want them to do well. Like, I wouldn't want money to get in the way of, like, them being successful. And I even asked him a question. I go, Rick, but, like, what do you do if, like, a girl is crying at practice? He goes, is it before or after practice? It's at the end of practice. That's the mom's problem, not mine. Oh, I was like, oh, that my goodness. Cold, cold, <laughs> right? But he said something that was very important. He goes, you know what, Bronco? You like helping people, right? I go, well, yeah, Rick, that's why I do this. He goes, well, if you go out of business, who are you going to help? Yep. I was just about to And yeah. he, he made a great yep. point. And, and that's the thing. Like I even told you before, I was like, look, all these street vaults and stuff like that, they're stressful to put on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to hopefully in the next coming weeks have Mike Pascuzo on. He's been doing the, the Jersey Beach Vault for years. Uh, actually, this was, I think, the ninth year that they've done it. And it's a big, big meet. I mean, they've had as many as, like, I think 500 kids for a weekend. <laughs> On the biggest uh, year. And it's um, a beach fall. Those are yeah. even worse to set up. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got to carry yeah. stuff on sand, people. Yeah, that's, um, that's and Mike was also a professional high jumper in his day. Okay. So he's been on the professional circuit and nice. such. So I'm going to have him on. But, you know, it is stressful to put on these events. If you are not making money slash losing money, mm, how long are you really going to be putting on these events? And they're great events. They're fun. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it kind of goes back to, too, what you were saying. In high school and college, we're kind of pampered, right? You don't know how much the entry fees are. No. You have nothing to do with it. You just get on the bus and you go to the meet or you get on the plane. You fly to the meet, right? And so then all of a sudden you find out, wait, I got to pay $25 to go to a meet? Puh, that's ridiculous. 
And it's like $25, nothing. If yeah. you go to one of these bigger events, like even my event, it's like, dude, I had a DJ, you know, and you know, he actually gave me a great deal. He only charged me 500 and mm-hmm. he could have charged me so much more. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, I had somebody announce the meet, you know, I, I had to pay insurance for the meet, you know, setting yeah. up the meet, all this kind of stuff. There, there's costs that go into it. It's like, you you're if you don't charge a certain number you're not going to make any money off of it you know and how yeah. long are you going to do it for free you know what i what i always kind of think of when i'm doing my club is i think that pole vaulting can be a very expensive sport to to a to a family and their child a pole vaulting can be a very expensive sport yeah. or one of the cheapest sports right? right okay so if you were in my position we didn't really i mean we had clubs in georgia but i didn't really go that route yeah. so i bought my own poles and my school bought yeah. some poles. My grandpa bought me some poles. So that was expensive. It was so yeah, expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? But if you have a club and they have poles for you and they have good progressions, whatever. And they have instruction. Yeah. Oh, you're Okay. Man. You're pay, Okay. You're paying for instruction and the pole and the facility. So it's like all this stuff, even though it might cost, you know, whatever, $200 a month, $300 a month, that compared to, you know, whatever else, you know. Lacrosse is a very expensive sport. Right, right. right. Golf. Ooh, let's not even yeah, talk about yeah, golf. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of times when I'm coaching and when I'm doing club stuff, I'm trying to make everything more affordable for these parents and these kids. But then I think like, you know what? Like I have to make money too. I have to make this worth my while. I don't think – I think our club is one of the cheapest clubs in the state. Uh, but but it's not it, – I guess what I'm trying to say is that I try to make it as easy as I can, but at the same time, we still have to make money, and we still got to put on. Yeah, you, you, your time is valuable. Yeah. You know what I mean. And look, I I remember, and I told you earlier, a lot of times I step outside of track and field now for models of success mm-hmm. because I think in track and field there's not a lot of options, you know. And so one one avenue that I've looked at is like looked at the fitness industry. And one guy that I really like is Joe DeFranco. He used to have a strength and conditioning gym in New Jersey, and now he's in Texas. He works at the Onnit Academy. He like yeah. runs it. Um, on it or on a on it on it. Yeah, it's that's the what Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. Yeah, company. Yep, right, so we're, we're Joe Rogan fans. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know who Joe Rogan is, just yeah. check out the Joe Rogan Experience. Unless you're awesome, sixteen years younger. Yeah, right? or if yeah, like yeah. you don't like funny stuff yeah. and entertaining stuff. If you're boring, you probably don't want to watch right. Joe. Rogan. This is like inception <laughs> of podcasts. We're plugging other podcasts. <laughs> into the podcast. Um, but yeah, so like Joe DeFranco had a gym in New Jersey, strength and conditioning gym, very successful. He trained Brian Cushing, who was a linebacker for yeah. the Houston Texans. Yep. He also worked with Triple H from WWE. Oh, nice. Yeah, really, really good trainer. <laughs> and I remember watching a video with him where he uh, started having this like online subscription where you could read his like uh, his content, like articles, right, videos, right. whatever. And some guy wrote him a nasty letter saying that he was a sellout, and I oh, can't believe gosh. now you're nickel and diming me for some articles. And Joe DeFranco was like, "All right, well, I'm moving my gym to Texas. Like, do you want to? You said you're a mover. Do you want to move my gym for free? You know?" Yeah, and I exactly. thought it was an interesting comment. And yeah. and what Joe DeFranco also said, which I could honestly like, I felt like he was talking about me. He goes, "You know, he goes when my gym was at its busiest, we had so many athletes. Everybody's running around. All this training." He goes, people would walk up to me and be like, Joe, you must be making hand over fist. He goes, that's when I was wondering how I was going to keep the lights on. Because hmm. I always, oh, yeah. pay me later. Yeah. Oh, no, don't worry about it. Oh, it's okay. And I've been there too. Like, dude, there have been moments yep. where my club was like number of client-wise so high. 
But it's like, oh, pay me next month. Oh, pay me next time. Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, how am I going to keep the lights going? Yeah. It's... You know, and I, and I think that's the thing. It's like, again, I'm like you. I want to provide as much as I possibly can for my clients. Mm-hmm. And I think I always over-deliver on their expectations. But I, I have to keep the lights on. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Track coaching is... And we talked about this earlier too. It's not quite like football coaching, where someone will go, someone will go into football coaching as a like a profession. Like I'm going to make bank. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. We we coach track not to make money off kids. Like we just we love pole vaulting. We love the sport, and we love being around it. And it's kind of like for me something that I really found this year after coaching at the club and then coaching at the high school is it's like it's like a different. Like if, if pole vaulting is this really fun version of this game, coaching is like the other version. It's yeah, just yeah. it's like it's like totally different and it's so fun. Like, have you ever played those NCAA games or maybe it's an NFL game where you're the coach? Right, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know what you're talking about. You know, those, that seems so boring to me, but coaching pole vaulting, honestly, is like a whole nother sport to me. And yeah. you know, to me it helps, you know, gives me cues, gives me things to think about. But it's really a stress reliever for me and uh it's just so fun. So like uh, I, I find myself in a lot of situations where I just want to, I just want to coach the kid. I don't want right. to like make money off them. Like I, I'm like, don't worry about it, dude. Like, like, uh, we do, um, we do like high bar workouts at Sanford okay. with some of the Stavie kids, which is okay. And then some kid came and he's not a Stavie kid, but he wanted to join us and do it anyways. And mm-hmm. the Stavie kids, I don't charge obviously because they're my high school kids. Right, so right, right, I, right. I just don't do that. Yeah. But he came and he goes, how much is it, dude? And I'm like. You know what, man? This was fun. Just you know, don't worry. About don't worry it. about this one. But at the same time, I still have to make money, so I can't just be that guy all the time. <laughs> right? No, no. Yeah, so. yeah, for for sure. And look, here's the thing. Like, you know, it's almost like I think about like the evolution of what happens to you psychologically as you go into this track kind of rabbit hole. Yes. You know, yeah. is you know, as an athlete, you love it. You want to jump as high as you possibly can. Then you start coaching, and you just want to help people. Yeah. And then it's like, I, you know, I started my club. It's like I want it to be a successful club. But now I'm at the point where it's like I think more than just my club, mm-hmm. right? Like that's great. Like at, at the end of the day, it'd be great. Like I coach somebody at USA's. Like I, I have a guy right now that I, I think can definitely make USA's. He gets there. That's going to be awesome. But I want to make the sport better because yeah. what would really make me happy more than anything is like five years down the road if Trey can take a picture next to his Lambo after he just won a big meet oh, and yeah. he's doing really well, you know, cause that to me tells me that our sport is doing awesome. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that's what I, I always think about that. Like even, you know, on these podcasts, I had Mike Lorick on a vertical assault. I don't know if you ever heard of Mike or vertical assault, yeah. but it's a pretty successful club assault. in the Northeast. And, and definitely to me, it's like, you know, Mike, I see him as almost like a father figure. You know, he taught me a lot about coaching and I learned a lot from him just like on how to run a club, you know, and I don't think there's a lot of people that have run a club the way Mike and Cello have. And it's like they can teach people a lot about how to run a business cobalt wise. And that's what I'm trying to provide too on the podcast is like, you know, if you're someone out there that you want to start a club, like I want to provide information for them so that they can help make a cobalt club and that can grow the sport because the more cobalt clubs that are out there the more this sport can grow. Because without pole vault clubs, listen, if people are just yeah. jumping two, three months out of the year at their high school, that's not that's not enough. Yeah. You know? 
that's like how our sport got started. Right. <laughs> and now we're, we're moving into clubs, but we've kind of hit this stalemate and we've hit this plateau and we need to, you know, take it past that. I think like you think of like, what is it? ING Academy. Like, yeah, yeah, is yeah. That yeah. For Florida. Soccer? They have everything now. Right. I think, okay. Almost. Well, I think it started out as soccer or, or something. And tennis. Like, no, I think tennis, tennis was that's big. What, that's yeah, what yeah, it was. yeah. So like you, you think of tennis clubs and then this tennis academy. It's like, right. imagine if we had a pole vault academy. Right. Dude, that yeah, would yeah, be yeah. so cool. And, you know, that's kind of what we have in, like, the Olympic training centers. But those are very exclusive, very, uh, you know, tight-knit, that kind of stuff. But imagine if it was just, this is open to everyone. They're kind of doing that now with Altus. Um, okay. Out in Arizona. Have you heard of Altus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, is that uh, Dean Starkey's? No, no, no. Oh, no. Is it, Altus is track in general. Dean Starkey's is um, uh, Arizona pole vault. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Which I'm actually going to go out there this winter break and vault with them. So oh, okay. Yeah, so that'll be another guy where I'm just like so. And dude, I hung out with Dean at Clovis because mm-hmm. uh, I'm good friends with Garrett, and uh, I was just like in awe of being a deal with next Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Like, Garrett, like it's just Garrett's dad, so like I'm yeah. walking with Garrett, but then I'm like trying not to be like, oh, it's Dean Starkey. But yeah, I'm gonna go I, out there this 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 winter and kind of just learn from him, learn see how he does it. I mean, really, just like uh, Garrett and the other guys that are out there, Nate. Like they coach kids too, mm-hmm. and they're not. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad coaches, but they're not as accomplished coaches as like Dean and all these other people. But just hearing the way that they talk to kids, that's going to help me too. Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah. And uh, side note, it's like Dean Starkey. I remember he was my favorite vaulter in high school. Really? I love Dean, dude. Because I, I graduated high school in '99, so yeah. he was like the best America had at the time. Oh, yeah. And I just thought, like, what a stud! Like, first of all, his shoulders looked like basketballs, dude. He, he was jacked. Well. Garrett is Jack. Garrett's a little smaller than I am. I think Garrett's he's shorter than I am, and he's a little little lighter. I think I'm like how tall? How tall are you right now? I'm like six one. Okay, and I'm like one. I, I weigh like one seventy eight, one seventy five. Okay. Garrett, I think Garrett's like one sixty five. I want to say mm-hmm. like I don't know five ten. I don't. Garrett, if you're listening to this, sorry if you're taller. Than <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at height. I said that Coach Tiffin, Coach Tiffin's like 5'11". I mm-hmm. thought he was 5'6". And, and he goes, you think I'm 5'6"? I was like, oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, so, but Garrett, if you ever look at Garrett's Instagram, he is a freak in the weight room, dude. That dude, I don't know his numbers off the top of my head, but I just know that they're impressive for how I'm, small and how just yeah, strong I'm sure. he is. I'm sure, because his dad, dad his was definitely like, you know, lifting a lot i mean the yeah. guy looked huge well yeah we we kind of talked about earlier the two different schools of pole vaulting and well there's multiple schools of pole vaulting but the two that i think of is lifting a lot and not lifting at all yeah right? yeah and then, definitely and, and yep. you know we were talking about what you know everyone's going to be different you know sam is the people who don't lift at all the dean starkeys and uh you know, jeff hartwig kind of lifted a lot Derek miles did wait too. you think Pietro Lisek, you think that oh, guy lifts? That, uh, oh, that, <laughs> that lift? Yeah, he lifts. That dude lifts. Um, he's humongous. Um, yeah. But uh, there's two schools of thought. They're on that school. You know, they're, uh, Dean's on the lifting school. Sam's on the non-lifting school. The, thing, the beautiful thing about pole vaulting is neither of them are right. You know? Yeah, I mean... I, you can be right wherever you want to be. Well, I, there's definitely... No matter which angle you want to take, you have a model. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you really feel strongly that you want to not lift too much, you got people that you can follow. And if you feel like you got to lift, you know, there's people to follow. I would say one thing about Dean, though, too. His hands were always a little off to the side. <laughs> and he was getting, like, ripped up. 
But man, those shoulders just kept everything tight. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he didn't have those shoulders, whoo! Like if those were my shoulders, I my arms would have been ripped off. See, okay, so <laughs> you know, going into like pole vaulting specifics of talking about injuries, uh, I did a project uh, for one of my senior classes about um, it was a uh, oh gosh, I don't even remember what the class was called, um, but it, the, basically the project was on the most common injuries in pole vault, and you can look this up. It's like a scholarly article. I wrote like a review, uh, I wrote a review okay. of it. Um, but it's a very, very detailed uh, article. I forget who did it about pole vaulting and injuries and stuff like that. Um, obviously, the most uh, injured. What do you think the in- most injured part of pole vaulting is? I, I mean, I would definitely say it has to be their lower back or shoulder. Yeah, lower back and hamstring were the two biggest. Lower back and then hamstring. I could see hamstring for okay. the people who were under. Yeah, so yeah. shoulders weren't that bad. And I've always wondered that too because I've had friends who have, who, who have had shoulder issues with pole vaulting. I've never once had a shoulder issue. I don't know whether that has I have flexible shoulders. I don't take care of my shoulders. I don't stretch them or do anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I don't warm them up, but I've never had an issue with my shoulders. Yeah. So like I wonder like what is it that I mean, I don't know, like is it the way that I'm built or is it the way that other people are built that makes their I shoulders? Mean, hurt? I I think you really gotta hit the takeoff wrong to hurt your shoulder. Because if you if you think about it, even people who are hitting a massive reverse C it's not like their shoulders are really going that far back. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? It's it's definitely like the weakest point is going to be your lower back yep. and it's going to pinch forward. So I can definitely see that. And the hamstring is interesting because I think definitely people who are under, like it yanks on that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, I, I didn't tell this story about the high school, but going from my senior year of high school to my freshman year of college, I'm a fifth year redshirt, redshirted fifth year senior now. Okay. And the reason why I redshirted was going into my freshman year of college, I broke my foot on June 3rd at oh this meet. Like, uh, so it was an avicular stra- uh, fracture. Which foot? My takeoff foot. Oh, wow. Okay, so an okay. avicular stress fracture, right, that I was just bothering me for a couple weeks, whatever. Went to a meet, broke it in half, right, just snapped it in half. But then I went got some uh, x-rays. Like, did it look crazy? No, no. I, I literally, I, I took off the ground, heard a big pop, right, and uh, my my uncle was like, "Oh, did you tear your ACL?" I go, "No, my foot kind of hurts." And then I went to the back of the runway, and then I kind of took a step and was like, "Ah, I think I'm done, guys." So I put some ice on it, went to the ER. Uh, they took X-rays from the side and said, "Oh, it's just an ankle sprain." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, I was like, all right." So I didn't walk for three weeks, uh, and then I uh, started walking again. Got another X-ray, took it from the sides. It's an ankle sprain. I was like, okay. And then another two weeks went by. I finally went to a specialist. Okay. Yeah. He took an x-ray. He said, oh, it's an ankle sprain. I was like, okay. Went until uh, uh, the beginning of August where – it was the end of – yeah, beginning of August maybe or middle of August. I was still jumping at the time. My, oh my PR God. was five meters. I jumped 16.8, so 5.05 or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. on a broken foot, on like a painfully oh broken my foot. God. But the whole time, basically like if you take your fists, put them together – and you've mm-hmm. got your two knuckles meeting, they were just grinding on each other until they became smooth. And so it was like I had two separate bones. So then oh. I get an MRI. They say it's broken. They call it the Yao Ming thing because it, it's like devastating to careers because if they don't put it back in the right angle, you can't walk on it. Oh, and my so God. They ended up taking it, pulling out, scraping it off, gluing it together with some of my heel bone, screwing it together. Um, and then the, the, the doctor was like, yeah, there's a very low chance you'll ever like run again, much less like at all compete. And I was like, oh man. So I redshirted my freshman year and then I came back. So, but the whole, the whole, so basically you're Wolverine. 
Basically, yeah. <laughs> Adamantium screws. And my, no, but okay, so what, what all this was going into was that after all that, my foot is seriously indestructible. So, like, I didn't take off under a single time after that because the reason why I broke my navicular was I was coming to a stop right. with my step yeah, yeah, every yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So that broke it over time. So now I think – guess where I take off from now? <laughs> Holding well you, well, you said 14.6 yeah, 14, six. So – and right. I hold – on a 15.7 pole, I hold about – Fifteen five, and I take off from about fourteen. Okay, fourteen six. And so, but then, but then so I get your on PR, 16s. Just uh, curiosity, what's your PR on? On fifteen sevens? No, no. Like your oh, five sixty five oh, is on. It was on a four ninety. So it was okay, on a okay. sixteen foot pole. I actually the last jump I took at Clovis at seventeen six. It was it was my first attempt at seventeen six. Was on a five meter pole, and I cleared it first time I ever oh, touched wow. one. Okay, and I was like, oh cool, because I I turned to Steve Chapel. This is a funny story. I turned to Steve Chapel on the runway, and I go. Hey, guess what this is? He goes, what? I'm like, it's a five meter pole. I've never touched him before. He goes, okay. I go, I'm not going to let Devin beat me. And he goes, all right. And I'm like, he jumps on carbons. <laughs> he goes, oh. <laughs> I was like, I won't, I won't prove you wrong. And then I, I cleared on my first attempt, did my backflip, whatever. And then I pointed out, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just funny. funny. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the foot taken off out. Um, but all of this was to go to say, when I broke my foot, there was so little information on pole vaulting injuries and like I went on pole vault power. You can yeah. probably find this if you just Google navicular bone. Mm-hmm. You can find my post where I'm like just begging for information. I'm like, has anyone ever had this experience? Blah, blah, blah. Like asking for so yeah, much yeah, advice. Yeah. So when I get out of school, I don't want to do it now because I don't really have a lot of time and it seems like a, the NCAA is just cracking down on people making yeah, YouTube yeah. videos. You know, you hear about the UCF No, kicker? no, I didn't hear about So that. this UCF kicker, I keep on going in these tangents. He That's all right, uh, basically that. he had a YouTube channel before college. He was making funny videos. And then he was a UCF kicker, and then he made funny videos that really didn't have to do with kicking. Right? He made some kicking videos, and then the NCAA, because he was making money off YouTube, made him take it down. And then, but but he's like, I'm not going to take it down. So then they kicked him off the team. He lost his eligibility. Oh wow, so, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, but basically, what I want to do is I want to start. We talked about this earlier. Making instructional whatever videos on YouTube for just the common pole vaulting questions. Like the one I've always wanted to do is about the freaking bend in the pole. Like I all the time, my kids will jump and I'm like, "Is your bend freaking wrong?" And they're like, "Oh yeah." And I was like, "Come on, dude. That's like the easiest thing." So, so I want to make it because there, there are people without club coaches and without high school coaches that don't know about that. And just stuff like that, stuff like navicular bones and well, you know, it's nutrition. Funny, it's funny that you mention that because um, I have a buddy, uh, Andrew Brown, he's a physical therapist, really big into pole vault. Um, we talk about it all the time. He really likes high-end stuff. Like he wants stuff that are like the level of like studies, doing formal yeah. studies. But like you said, there's even people that don't even hold the pole right. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the bend is facing the wrong way. Yeah. So I mean, there, there's so much information that needs to be put out there. And the thing is, if people put more content out there, like think about for you, when that happened to your foot, you're probably devastated, you're probably wondering oh, really dude. if you were going to be able to pull bolt. Heck now yeah. you put this information out, you know, people are not going to be as worried. They're going to be like, all right, if he, if Trey did it, maybe I can do it too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The thing I'd say to the young vaulters is that YouTube is your best friend in the world. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I've watched about every single pole vaulting competition on YouTube that there is. And I still yeah. subscribe to all the channels. So like, I'm still watching them constantly. Right, right, but, right. But like, you know, I was just like, 
It's when you binge watch a show like my junior and senior year of high school. I watched literally every single polo competition I think that I could have watched on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember back when Neovault was huge. Oh, See, I missed, I missed yeah. that. I was right at the end of that. But I have two DVDs upstairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have all the Neovault DVDs and I would watch all that stuff. Like the Besmer when he like loses his sneakers. Yes, I, I have that one up there. Yeah, the that's crazy. Dude. Yeah, um, that's all good stuff. And I... I honestly, I'm telling you, Instagram is huge. I think Instagram if, is, if, if people so. start posting more on Instagram and like I said, content wise, yeah. that, that could really, really help, you know, and, and go a long way for, for young kids like who are trying to learn about the sport. Yeah. I get a lot of younger vaulters that follow me now that I'm getting more and more followers and I follow, I follow most of them back because I just want to watch them pull. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it's not pretty, but like, I just like watching it and yeah, uh, yeah. I just like having my feed full of what I love. Uh, a lot of times I joke with one of my roommates, he reads like science articles and, you know, mm-hmm. he reads about phones and new tablets and crap like that, yeah, yeah. right? But I'm like reading pole vaulting articles and like right. Walter Magazine right. and stuff like that. So it's like, if you're like a high school kid, fill your mind with that, like not useless crap, like on social media of like, like the meme accounts, even though they are hilarious. Yeah. Right? I mean, but like, fill like, fill your feed, if we're talking about social media, fill your feed with interesting pole vaulting stuff because it's so easy to do i mean like uh who posts really cool videos um uh six meter high on youtube yeah awesome yeah, yeah. i was mm-hmm. watching those this morning um just stuff like that uh follow me on instagram <laughs> i okay so we're talking about social media so much and i'm i'm in this weird space where i hate that i we're so obsessed with it mm-hmm. right or that i'm so obsessed with it because me as a budding professional athlete I just need more followers. And I, I talk to my girlfriend, Courtney, about this all the time. Mm-hmm. She is just fiending for followers because she is a post-collegiate vaulter. And she, right. she's signed by ASICs and some other stuff. But the more followers she has, like, the more money she gets, honestly. So, like, just the other day, she got, like, a bunch of free pairs of Oakleys. But I bet you if she had 100, 400,000 followers, she'd be sponsored by Oakley. And they'd actually give her money. So, right. uh, it, it's, I'm I, in a I weird would position. Ad- I would advise your girlfriend – Courtney, take cool pictures with the Oakleys. Be like, check out this free well, see, gear I got. See that that's her problem. That. But she has really bad captioning uh, ideas. Like she sends them, she sends me the pictures. I'm like, oh, great pictures. She's like, what should I say? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, look. So this is what I'll do. If she if she wants to get in touch with me, I can help her. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm just a small pole vault club, but like, and we don't have that many followers. But like I watch enough of like other stuff that's good, yeah. I, I could definitely help out with that. Um, but yeah, I think just little stuff like that, and then if you like the hashtags are, I mean, oh, I can't gosh. believe we're talking about hashtags, but um, <laughs> hashtags <laughs> are huge. You know, yeah. you have to put the right hashtags and stuff like that. Um, but I look, I think social media. I agree. Like initially, I was very like, look, I just want to coach. I don't want to deal with that. Like I'm a very humble person. Yep, yep. I'm very private. I don't want anybody to know my stuff. Just put it all out there. Man. But yeah, look. If the sport is going to be what it could be or what we want it to be, we have to put the content out there. We have to put the content out. Yeah. Like, (laughs) look, you may not think that anybody cares and silly stuff gets likes. Like, I think the most liked thing on my Instagram right now is like a couple weeks ago, I I wore my camo Apex tank top in front of my truck. And it was like everybody liked that picture. Like, that's – and literally my friend Andrew Brown was taking the picture. Shout out to Andrew. And he's like, dude, he's like, this is corny as hell. 
I'm like, just take the damn picture. I need to post this on Instagram. I need it. Yeah. And wouldn't you know it, it's my biggest hit, right? And then I showed him, I don't know if you know, like, the lifting guy. I think it's, like, Juji Mufu. Oh, yeah, the backflip dude. The yeah, the backflip, yeah, yeah, backflip dude, crotch power, right? Um, <laughs> check him out on Instagram. I showed him one of his videos, and he puts on one of those, like, plastic horse heads. Yeah. And he's, like, throwing a barbell around oh, and doing snatches gosh, yeah. in the middle of the field and then doing flips. And he's, like, Andrew's laughing his ass off. And I'm, like, dude, that was good, right? He's, like, yeah, that was hysterical. I love that video. I go, yeah, but you know what? If I told you to meet me at a park, and I was like, all right, I'm going to put on this horse head here in a videotape me doing this shit, you'd be like, Bronger, you're crazy. I'm getting out of here. But it's like, that's what you need to You need to do yeah. something. You know what I mean? I think, I think the person who's killing it the most right now on social media is Sandy. She yeah. is just murdering the game right now as far as just putting herself out there. Alicia Newman does a really good job too. Yeah. yeah Sandy yeah. does it in a really fun way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if Sandy's listening, I would say, Sandy, put more pole vaulting like practices Show yeah, people what yeah. you're doing every day. Like, what do you need for breakfast? Yeah, you know, for real. what's the breakfast of champions? I know it's not Wheaties, girl. Yeah. Come on, show me what it is. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, that's what I strive to be is the Sandy Cheeks on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. But that's be. a great name too. Oh, that that's a that's name. a good. Instagram. I've got Roland Olin. That's because my first name is Olin, so my whole name is Olin oh, okay. Trey Oates. Oh, so okay. Roland Olin, Troats McGoats. That was another one, but. I don't really have a catchy name yet. I like Sam Kendricks, where it's just Sam Kendricks. Well, and yeah, I can, that's I can't that's just simple. I can't just do Treyos. So I got Olin Three Oats as mine. It's just like eh. I got I got to think of something more catchy. Something with pole vault, like uh, Luke. Uh, uh, what what are their last names? I want a Winder. Call Winder. His Instagram is Luke Skywinder, and that's awesome. Right? Yeah, that yeah, is so yeah, cool because yeah. I always want to call him Luke Skywinder. It's Luke Winder. Um, yeah, yeah. Luke Skywinder, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Te- awesome name. Well, we're about like an hour and 20 minutes in. And we're yeah. going to do one more of these. So oh, yeah. probably a good spot to end. Yeah. Um, I think going back to something that was said earlier, just kids, be passionate. You know, I think you can hear the passion coming out of Trey. Um, really big. Uh, he loves this sport, you know, and whatever you can do to make this sport better, go out and get it. Yep. All right. All right. Thanks. No problem.